And that's why Abraham rose. The Bible says that when God said it, he rose early the next morning. He didn't delay because he understood that as a covenant partner, his covenant partner can demand anything, including, uh, uh, you know, no matter the cost to him, even if he has to give up his life. Hallelujah. So, um, that, that may help us understand the extent of the giving, right? It's, it's very... Uh, is complete. Hallelujah. So, what that does is that it makes covenants very strong and very powerful. All right? They're very strong. So, covenant agreement, covenant arrangements are not entered into um, carelessly. All right? Let's look. Examples in Genesis twenty seven. Okay, let's actually start from um, verse 22. It says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, Abimelech was like a king in the area, spoke, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore, swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son. But according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. So the king of the area came to Abraham and said, I have been very nice to you. I have allowed you to live in my land. I have not troubled you. So swear to me, for I have seen that there's a power with you. So swear to me that you will not hurt me or my son or my grandson. All right? And Abraham said, I will swear. Um, 25. And Abraham reproved Abimelech. Now Abraham began to complain. Because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. So Abimelech's servants had taken away a well that Abraham's servants had dug. All right, now in the, where they were living, the wells were extremely important. So if somebody took your well, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big problem. Um, they didn't have a water company like we do today. Um, and Abimelech said, I what not, or I did not know who has done this thing Neither did you tell me, neither have I heard of it but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. Hallelujah. So, 
Bible is telling us that Abraham took sheep and oxen, gave them to Abimelech. What did Abraham get? Abraham got his well back. Hallelujah. All right? So Abraham got his well back, and Abimelech got some animals and a commitment to each other. All right? A commitment. So from this point on, Abraham was obligated to Abimelech, and Abimelech was obligated to Abraham. Verse 28. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, For this, for these seven ewe lambs thou shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have taken this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up and Fikol, his the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. Hallelujah. So this is an example of two parties cutting a covenant or entering into a covenant. And we see that there's an exchange. All right, and and then commitments are made one to the other. All right, and once those commitments are made, then there's an obligation created. Okay, now your life is no longer only your own. You see, once you've entered into the covenant, you you you've you've lost your right to to um um claim that your life and your possessions are now solely yours. Okay? Because now your covenant partner can demand. Alright? So let's go and look at another example. Um, also in Genesis Genesis chapter 14. Um, Genesis 14 Um Uh, we're going to have time to read the whole thing. Basically, let's, let's jump to verse 12. All right, so this is a story of how Lot, Abraham's nephew, was kidnapped by or captured by some enemies. All right, and they took him and all his family and possessions away. All right, so verse 12. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. All right, so these enemies took Lot and all that he had. Verse 13, And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Anna. And these were confederates with Abraham. So confederate here means they were in covenant. All right, they were in covenant with Abraham. Um, and when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servant, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. All right, so uh, let's jump. So they, they went to fight the enemies and they won. Okay, so let's jump to. Um, 
verse 21. And the king of Sodom, so after they won and they, and they returned, the king of Sodom wanted to reward Abraham, right? The king of Sodom, Sodom was the area that the enemies had gone to raid. So the king of Sodom wanted to pay Abraham, Abraham back, right? So the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, give me the persons or the people and take the goods to yourself, all right? So it says that all, the, all my people that were, were captured that you have gone for, give my people back to me. As for the things that you found, you can take the things, all right? That's what the king offered. Um, and, Abraham said, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. All right? So Abraham said, I have sworn to God that I will not take even the thread used to sew your shoe buckle on. All right? I will not even remove the thread. So that you won't have a chance to say that you made me rich. All right? So that only God can claim that. Now, 24. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Anna, Eskol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. All right? So you see that these three men, that in an earlier verse, I think verse 12 or 13, the Bible tells us that they were confederate with Abraham. When Abraham had to go and fight, they went along. All right? There was no record initially that they went with him, but at the end we found out that they went. Why? Because of the demands of covenant. Okay? But once Abraham was affected, they were affected. Okay? So even though going to war, their life was going to be at risk, they didn't have an option to say, We won't go. Once Abraham moved, they went with him. In the same way, if that had happened to any of them, Abraham would have followed them. Hallelujah. Do, do we understand? That's how it, that's how it works. Okay? All right. So this, this is all just to help us understand um, covenant a bit better. Now, the other thing about covenant that we should uh, be mindful of is that um, there is a connection or an, a form of an equivalence between covenant and worship. You see, um, both covenant and worship involve giving of yourself to another or giving what is precious to you to another. Alright? Either giving yourself or giving your possessions or giving something that represents you or represents the value of your life. Giving it to another. All right, um, and 
<clears throat> so when when um so so you see true worship requires giving of oneself completely and non-reservedly all right so when we say we're worshiping god and we don't give of ourselves completely our worship is not complete or it's not real all right when we say we are worshiping god it requires that we give of ourselves wholly and unreservedly to him you see so even some of the acts of worship you know like people somebody prostrating on the ground it is all to communicate that i am yours hallelujah i am yours to do whatever you desire hallelujah so um there is this um uh, connection um between worship and uh covenant um and it is one of the reasons why i believe in the in 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 when god brought his people out of the land of egypt he kept telling them that they shouldn't worship anything except him why because once they began to worship something that would automatically mean that they are entering into a covenant relationship with that entity and that would cause a break all right or a breach of their covenant with god all right so in the same way in your life if you begin to give yourself to something note that what you are doing is an act of worship and is an act of covenant and that what that thing you are doing will begin to undermine your covenant with god okay so if you give your strength to something if you give your money to something speaking of which i have heard that a number of the young men in our church are heavily into sports betting yes if you have been doing that stop it it's very addictive if you realize you can't stop come and see pastor let him pray for you and advise you before you find yourself in something you never bargained for so we need to be careful giving ourselves or any part of us that is valuable giving it to anything because that act of giving something that represents you or something that is of value in your life that act of giving it wholly to certain entity or activity or whatever it is organization or whatever it is you believe in 
it's an act of worship and it's also a covenant forming action. So that you don't enter into binding relationships that you didn't you didn't intend to enter into. You see? And that is that that helps us understand addictions. Because for somebody to become addicted, they give more and more of themselves or their money or their time or their energy or their mind to a particular thing because of what that thing is giving back to them. And eventually, they become bound. And it's very difficult to break them away. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what we're talking about? It becomes very difficult. So that's one of the reasons why addictions are very hard to break. It's not just the fact that there's a biochemical change in your brain, but there's a spiritual significance to what you did that created the addiction. All right. So, because um, covenant require giving, um, holy, you see that in the Old Testament, for example, the people of Israel they didn't take meat to the temple to worship. They took whole animals. Once they got there, the animals would be butchered. But they never took meat. Are you understanding the point I'm trying to make? (laughs) Okay, maybe you've never thought about it. But somebody will say it's all the same. You see, we are quick to apply a certain form of common sense when we are worshiping God, which does common sense and worship don't mix. We need to be very careful in our dealings with God that we don't begin to introduce common sense. Hallelujah. <laughs> you have a question? Ah, time, 15 to 8. Eh? All right, thank you. See, common sense. I heard of a certain man, all right? I'm just giving an example of how common sense doesn't work in spiritual things. A certain man who took some church money to travel to the U.S. He had been invited to preach, and he didn't have enough money for the ticket. So he took some church money that when he goes there and he gets offerings, then he'll come and bring it back and settle. Is Is there anything wrong with that? When this man go to America, a snake bit him. African man. The snake never bit him in the African country until he went to the U.S. A snake bit him 
he was hospitalized the whole time the program was going on that he was supposed to be preaching, he was in the hospital. By the time he was discharged, the program was over. So the church that invited him felt sorry for him and gave him a sympathy offering to go back home. And so he came back. He never preached one sermon because a snake bit him in America. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to them and said, that money he took, it was People's the fundraising that they did to get that money, people had sweated to get the money to pay. So in the spirit realm, that money, the weight that that money had. <laughs> when he took it, what he brought back was not equivalent. <laughs> Are you understanding what we're talking about? Oh. Maybe I'm just making it confused. So, <laughs> common sense, when, <laughs> the point is that, be very careful when you try to apply common sense in your work with God, you might take decisions that uh, will not be in your favor. Although it may make sense to you. You know, like the widow's mite that she dropped in that basket. Jesus said she had given the greatest offering. It was because the weight of those, those two coins in the spirit. If anybody had stolen that money, the person's judgment would have been extremely severe because the value of that offering before God. <laughs> you understand? You end up in, in seven because you have caused financial loss to the kingdom of heaven. You see? Uh-huh. And that doesn't make sense. You see, even an usher counting the money may throw it away that, you see, you ushers, be careful. Or you don't count money. Always uh, Uncle You might find some five pesos in the or one peso crying, but and you may not you may not even add it. <laughs> you may not add it to the money that oh we cross here then. One peso cry the CJD. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Hallelujah. But I think I'm digressing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the weight. The Lord has been teaching me about spiritual weights. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. Weight and how he measures things. Hallelujah. And I've seen that common sense does not work when you are dealing with God and when you are dealing with spiritual things. Hallelujah. The different set of laws and perspectives are in operation. Amen. So, you could have thought that it's the same meat. Somebody may even decide that, oh, the cow, the intestines and all of that is not good meat. So, I will butcher 
I'll go to the market and I'll only buy cow tie, about 10. That is, that is more meat than one single cow. But that is not what, that, that, will, not, that will not have weight before God. Because that cow you are bringing is representing something. And that act of giving something holy has its special significance in the relationship and in the interaction between you and God. You see? But common sense may make you think that something else has the same effect, and it doesn't. Hallelujah. It's like people don't come for prayer meeting. They say that they'll pray at home. (laughs) You understand? And common sense informs them that whether I'm praying in my house or I'm praying here, God will hear. <laughs> but there's an effect of corporate prayer. When you're praying as a believer, there's an effect which has a certain spiritual significance that you won't have when you're at home. There are many things I have received when I'm in church. I didn't get them at home. There are several times I have had questions, something I'm asking God about, and I'll, I'll seek him, uh, he won't answer me, I'll be here in church, uh, usually the pastor will be preaching, and he's not preaching about the thing I'm, I have a question about, but as he's preaching, he says, and because it's by the Spirit, that's when the Lord brings the answer. So if I had stayed at home that day, I wouldn't have it. Hallelujah. Yes. So let's be very careful that we don't try and rationalize our work with God because it is not the fruit of the intellect or of rational thinking. All right. All right. Let's continue. Now, oh, uh, okay. Um, all right. God holds us to a high standard when we cut covenant. Right? When we cut covenant, um, <clears throat> God God doesn't disregard it just because we made a mistake in doing it. Right, you can enter a wrong covenant which turns out to be bad for you and you assume that because it's bad for you God will see and he will just brush it aside that this one it won't work, it won't affect you. That that's not the case. Alright. God respects the covenant you entered into, even if, even if it was not ultimately to your advantage. And we see that happen to Joshua and the people of Israel. When they entered the promised land in uh, Joshua 9, uh, you can read from verse 3 to verse 20, um, we don't have time to read all of that, but there, there were some people in the in the promised land 
who came to deceive them that they had traveled from far away because they had heard about how God was working mightily in their midst. And therefore they had come and they showed them some old bread. So even this bread, when we set up the journey, it was hot from the oven. Now it has become dry and moldy. And as they were talking and talking and talking, Joshua and his elders began to feel sorry for them. And the people said that we want to enter into a covenant with you. Right? Because of how powerful your God is. We have, we are, we are, we have believed. And then the Bible says they did not ask God. But then they entered into a covenant with these people. They were called the Gibeonites. And they swore an oath before God that you people will be friends with you forever. And then when they finished, they found out that the people who were living next door <laughs> and uh, they had tricked them. All right? When I first read about it, I assumed that if the basis of the covenant was deception, that God would not compel Israel to honor it. But I was wrong. You see, that means that if you allow somebody to trick you and you marry somebody you shouldn't marry, don't come to God and ask him to remove you from that covenant. If you marry a snake, as Bishop Dag famously said, get a glass jar, put the snake inside. It cannot climb up the glass. It can see you, and you can see it, but it won't bite you. <laughs> you are laughing. You have not married, and you are laughing. The way you are laughing hard, may you seek God hard so that you don't end up with a snake. But if you call me in the night, that snake is biting you in your bedroom. I will just say, the Lord have mercy on you, brother. And I will hang up and go back to bed. (laughs) See, so many, many years later, King Saul the first king of Israel decided that these guys, the way they tricked that, I'm going to kill all of them. <laughs> and he set off and he killed them. Pa, he killed plenty of them. And he thought he had done a good thing. And judgment came on the whole land of Israel. There was famine for, I think, for some years. And that time, David was the king. And David went to ask God, why is it that there's famine in the land like that? God said, it is because of Saul and how he killed the Gibeonites that you, 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 the nation of Israel has a covenant with. You see, mm-hmm. 
That is why when you mistreat your spouse, be very careful. Because God will look at the covenant you entered into and will begin to deal with you. When you... <clears throat> your, your spouse... Ayakayaka, dear. So how do you say it in English? <laughs> do you understand Ayakayaka, dear? Who, who doesn't understand it? You don't understand it. Listen, please translate it for me. More treating. Yes, but that is. uh, uh, You put pepper in their eyes. Uh 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 If you treat your spouse like that, know that God will come after you. (laughs) <laughs> not the devil <laughs> God himself will come after you you see in the bible you see that God makes special reference to the men he says be careful how you treat the wife of your youth the one you married when you were a young man and you saw how nice she was and you married her God says be very careful how you treat her. Hallelujah. I won't go further than that. So, the covenant, God, God is very protective. Hallelujah. So, if you think that you don't like your spouse anymore and you begin to mistreat them, be very careful. So young men who are not married, please pay attention. Uh, it's eight o'clock. Wow. Okay. Let me just quickly talk about um, how to deal with covenant. All right. And then we want to spend some time praying. So. Okay, number one. So, so we, are, we, are, we, are, we are talking about, you see, if you've entered into a covenant that is working against you, or somebody representing you entered into a covenant that is working against you. All right? Maybe your grandfather sold all of you to the river in your hometown. Uh, that's a covenant. Because he gave all of you and he got something back. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is we need to ask for forgiveness from God for entering into that covenant. All right. Even if you didn't enter, somebody did it for you, cry. You should still ask for forgiveness. All right. For yourself on your own behalf and on behalf of whoever did it. 
because you were in that person when the person did it. Now, the thing with covenant is that to to uh, you know when we, we spoke about contract, we said you have to go before a judge. All right? Covenant is not like that. Covenant, you have aligned yourself with someone. So what you need to do is to go and align yourself with someone more powerful than that one. Hallelujah. Yes. The second point is that you must align yourself with someone more powerful than the first party. All right, you can write down First Kings 15, verses 16 to 21. That gives us an example of that. All right. First Kings chapter 15, verses 16 to 21. Now, the third point is that you must be ready to use your new covenant partner's resources to resist the old one. <clears throat> because the old covenant partner may make claims on you. See, when he, he or she finds out that you have broken the covenant. So, you see, one of, the, one of the easiest ways to break a covenant is to align yourself with the enemy of your covenant partner. All right? If you align yourself with your covenant partner's friend, that's not a problem. Once you align yourself with your covenant partner's enemy, you have broken the covenant. You see? Because now, you have you have obligated yourself to the one who seeks the distraction of your covenant partner. All right, am I making sense? So, um, you see, that's why, for example, uh, the Bible says that when you commit adultery, that is the basis for breaking the marriage. Why? Because the sexual act is a covenantal act. So when you go and perform that act with another person, you have broken the covenant. And those of you young men who are sleeping around with women, be careful, because what you are doing is a covenantal act. And don't think that it won't have any effect on you. Yes, please. So, what is called a soul tie is um, typically the result of a covenant 
relationship that people have entered into. Mm -hmm. So it's one expression. All right. Sex is a covenant act. God designed sex so that so that if we obeyed him the first time a woman has sex there will be bloodshed. That's how God designed sex. So marriage is intended to be a blood covenant. So if you treat sex casually, you you have to ask yourself, why is it that in the Bible a lot of attention is given to sexual immorality? It is because it has consequences Beyond, you know, the Bible in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul made the argument. It has long-reaching consequences on you. But uh, let me continue my. Um, so, I was saying that be ready. That was the third point, right? Be ready to use the resources of your new partner to resist. All right? So if you have entered into an agreement with the devil, you must now align yourself with Jesus and then be ready to use the resources of Jesus to resist claims that your former partner will make on you. Don't expect that he will just walk away. You, you understand? Even human relationship. When somebody takes somebody's wife or husband, they don't just walk away like that. Do they just walk away? You see? They don't just walk away. So, um, now, the fourth thing is that you need to understand that in every covenant there are penalties for breaking the covenant. All right. Um, I'm rushing, so maybe I have to go through this again. In every covenant there are penalties for breaking the covenant. All right. So those penalties must be addressed or else they will take effect. All right? I won't go into how do you should, we should, they should be addressed today, but let's just make a note of that. That's point number four. The penalties associated with the covenant must be addressed or they will take effect. Is there any question? <laughs> hey, this, 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 this. Uh-huh, please go on. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the message, you said covenant and covenant. Um, 
not dies or is no more. So how cover some covenants that those that maybe our ancestors did are still having effect on maybe some of us? Ah, okay. All right. All right. Uh-huh. So the question is that if a covenant is only in force whilst both parties are alive, how come your ancestor can enter into a covenant and then it affects you? All right? The reason is that the nature of the covenant was such that he was standing, he, he, was, he or she was standing in for you and representing you in that agreement. Okay? So you were in him or her. And they did that um, for their own, for their own, and also for their descendants. You see, they may believe they were protecting you. I met a young man about two years ago. He was wearing a certain ring. He said he was from Pastor Peter's country. And then he said, when he was coming, to, I, I, I said, why are you wearing this ring? He said, when he was coming to Ghana, his grandfather gave it to him, that it will protect him. So he always wearing it. You see, so the grandfather believes that he's protecting. You understand? So even if he hadn't given me a ring, whatever his, the man is, old man is doing in the village there, he's surveying and he's monitoring all his grandchildren, <laughs> making sure they are okay. <laughs> Can I answer your question? Yeah, sure. All right. Mm-hmm. Ah. All right. What extra alignment? Okay, okay, wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Ah, okay. I don't remember what I said, though. <laughs> yes, please. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether your question, if I understood your question, unless I didn't get it, let me know. Why is it that in one case, in the case of marriage, when the person dies, the covenant is over? But in the case of the other examples, for example, that he gave, it is transgenerational. Was that your question? That was your question. Has it been answered? It's been answered. Okay, so our sister's question is that um, I said, I think point number two also, that uh, what you need to do is you need to align yourself with a more powerful partner. All right, so you align, align yourself with Jesus. And she, her question is that if you are born again, 
are you not already aligned with Jesus? All right? That one, I will let you answer it yourself. Whether you are aligned with Jesus or not. Today, whether you have even listened to him is a, is a whole different matter. Um, <laughs> so, the Bible says that being ready to, to avenge all disobedience when your o, 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 obedience is, is complete. Hallelujah. <laughs> So we call Jesus Lord, but we don't relate to him as a Lord. So if you want to him to deliver you from another, another Lord, then you must submit to him as your Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, it is then that his protection or his, his covering, all right, it, it has an effect beyond what you have experienced see so yes when you enter into when you become born again through the blood of jesus you have entered into a covenant with jesus christ but many of us are actually breaking that covenant that is the sad reality that the average christian is a covenant breaker so we must straighten out that uh, what has gone wrong in our covenant relationship um, uh, with Jesus. All right, then we will gain a certain covering. All right, that only is only. You see, it's like. Parents have rented a house or built a house. And that's where their children and they've secured it. And that's where their children are safe. If their children will not stay in the house, but will always go and play on the street, there is no guarantee of the same level of safety on the street. Except when your parents says, go and do this on the streets. Then, even when they are in their house, you are on their mind. Hallelujah. Are you understanding? Uh-huh. So, we all need to be well aligned. All right? Uh-huh. And we really need to Understand what it means that Jesus is my Lord. All right? Because most of us, if not all of us, didn't grow up in a social system where there were lords and servants. So we, we, have, we have no idea. It was only storybooks that we read about some of these things. We don't understand what that means. So you need to take it upon yourself to understand what does it mean when Jesus says he is your Lord. What does Lord mean? You see, just like many of our sisters don't understand what Mira means. Yes. Many wives today, including possibly some of those here, don't understand what Mira means. 
That means my Lord. But I will not go in that direction today. Hallelujah. Please have I answered your question. All right. Any other question? Hey. <laughs> we want to pray. Oh. Answer that next week, if you can note it down for me. All right, um, because I want us. To, we have twelve minutes left. I want us to spend a few minutes praying. Hallelujah! As I said, we want to pray for some time at the end of every Tuesday meeting. All right, that's why I want to start early. Hallelujah! Mm-hmm. I, I'm changing. Oh, I'm changing. I'm changing. Those of you who are still coming late, me, I have left the late club. Hallelujah. Mm. So, let's, if you don't mind, let's please rise to our feet. And uh, we want to first ask the Lord to give us illumination. Illumination so that we will understand how this is relevant to our lives, what we are hearing today, how, it, how, it, how it's relevant, its relevance to our lives. Because you may 